Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. I'm Seth, and with me, as always, is Megan Ranson. How's it going, what, Megan? What's up, everyone? How, <laughs> how you doing? How's it going? I'm good. I'm I'm in a good place. Good, good place. How about you? Are you in a good place? Physically, emotionally, spiritually, <laughs> mentally, yes. Good. I am in a much better place than I was. You know what? It, it really doesn't take much these days to feel like I'm in a good place. Yeah, the bar's bar low. is so low. The bar is low these days, <laughs> but it's good. That's that's good that you're you're looking up and and staying hopeful. Um, mm-hmm. You know, especially in light of what we're going to discuss today a little bit. Um, I I don't know. If, I don't know if I told you this, but recently, I deleted Facebook and TikTok and Twitter apps from my phone. Yes, you did tell me that. I did. How, okay. How'd that go for you? Man, I I haven't put, I put TikTok back just because it was going to get banned and I didn't want to miss it in the future. But I put it off on like the third page of my, my home screen and I definitely yeah. put time limits on it and stuff like that. But um, I don't have Twitter and I don't have Facebook still. And I I feel great, Megan. I mean, yeah. it, I'm really glad I did it. What was your motivation for doing that in the first place? Well, I was doom scrolling. And, yeah. and I don't know if, if you haven't heard that term, doom scrolling is like you just, you're constantly looking for what's going wrong mm-hmm. in the world. And it's kind of like you're, you're scrolling for news or you're really on social media because you're there for a fight almost. Um, and I wasn't looking for a fight, but it was like I was looking for why I should be worried. And I noticed myself doing that after I wrote a blog about it. You know, I wrote a blog about doom scrolling. I was like, I wonder if I'm doing this. It feels like I'm doing it. I, I just felt bad. I just felt negative yeah. and, and oppressed and um, not oppressed by like a, I felt a, oppressed a group by of people. doom scrolling. Uh, oppressed by my own feelings, you know, like I was yeah. being held hostage. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't mind talking about this because I know a lot of people deal with this, but anxiety disorder and depression run in my family. And it is something that I, I deal with in, in some degree. It's not, I'm not medicated for it, but it is there. And from time to time, maybe three times a year, um, this just mood happens where I lose all motivation. I'm really depressed. I'm really mm-hmm. just, it's not that I'm just sad. It's just, I, I feel a loss of desire to really do anything. And it's, yeah. it's depression. Yeah. Um, you know, and I know what it is. And I recognize it. And often just talking through my feelings and stuff with somebody who validates me is enough, you know? So my wife is great with that, but and I have friends. I have a lot of people I talk to, but, uh, but that, staring at a screen scrolling is not helpful. Yeah. But staring at a screen as a way of coping is what I felt like I was doing and it was making it worse. And mm-hmm. so I got into one of those modes, you know, for a couple of weeks, for a week or so. And, um, and I was like, I've got to get out of this and I don't know what it is. And to, and to be honest, I watched this, this documentary, The Social Dilemma, and said, I'm going to delete these apps and see what happens. And, and it was awesome. Oh my gosh. It was, it was immediate. It was like immediate. The first day without them, I found myself reaching for my phone and then something clicked in my head to go, oh, there's nothing there. You know, mm-hmm. I deleted those apps. I still had Instagram, but Instagram it was just kind of this like innate yeah. dopamine hit. Like your brain was like, Oh, you need a, you need a dopamine hit. It was, Go grab, grab your phone. It was so weird. And, Instinctual. And, yeah. And it's like, you notice it, most people don't, when you're addicted to something, it's hard to notice the addiction. Like many people who are addicted don't know they're addicted. And, and that's kind of what it revealed for me is that I was really addicted to that dopamine shot or whatever because when I'd open up Facebook I'd be hit immediately with a bunch of posts and idea and videos and suggestions that confirmed what I already thought mm. and it was like I started realizing like I'm addicted to being confirmed well the funny thing about social media and we'll get into this mm-hmm. is that the algorithm is designed to show you what you want to hear mm-hmm. and what you want to see. And, and so if you think the world is a madhouse, it's going to show you all the ways in that the world is a madhouse. Absolutely. You know, like it's, it's going, it's going to bring to life 
the things that you're looking for. And I mean, we're going to get into that and about what, how that affects us here later, but yeah, you just reminded me of that. And for sure, it was giving you all the doomsday stuff that you were, it was telling me all the things and, and, and man, I, I'm, when I watched that documentary, the social dilemma, which I want to talk about today, it showed me a lot of things that kind of, you know, they're in the back of your head. And, and if you're in communications, you're working with social media, you know that you are being manipulated, but the illusion is that others are being manipulated. You're not. And for some reason, we all kind of think that we all think that we're immune to it or we don't realize we're being manipulated. And that's, that's part of manipulation is that you can't be manipulated if you know you're being manipulated. It's like hypnotism. You know, when you're hypnotized, the second you know you're being hypnotized, you can't be hypnotized if you believe in all that. I really don't. But the point is, is that you're, you're open to suggestion most when you're unaware you're being suggested to. Mm. You know, and, and, and that's, yeah. just, that's just brain chemistry, right? Yeah. So it, it was really fascinating. And I want to talk through some of the things that that, that documentary covered because... I'm, I'm noticing not only just in my own life and my own experience we just discussed, but in others, I mean, the world's a little nuts. It, it, people are a little bit polarized and I say it, a little bit. It and feels I mean, worse now than it ever has before, which I feel like we're yeah. always saying, but man, has it really gotten out of control? It has. And um, you know, there's things that I, I believe, but it's, it's like when you start to really, really feel that the other side of whatever it is I, I believe are crazy. It's like, they're not crazy. You know, it's like it, th- what this documentary showed me is that it's not just people being irresponsible. It's not just people um, not researching. It's not just people willfully being ignorant or blindly following someone's, you know, false information. It's mm-hmm. not just that. Um, that might be part of it, but it's a smaller part of it than I think this is. What's really happening is these algorithms are manipulating us into feeling open to those kinds of things, which is scary. Yeah. You know, and then you think about it with the effects it's going to have on your kids, the effect it's already having on you. It's like, man, we need to take a pause here and really discuss what's going on. And so I wanted to jump into some of that and and talk about this link between mental health and social media that we're discovering and and just kind of how it's really affecting us. So a lot of the ideas that we're going to be talking about today have come from this is a net, it's a Netflix documentary. Yeah, it's correct? on Netflix. It's free. Netflix documentary uh, called The Social Dilemma. You've seen it. I have not. Mm hmm which will make for a very interesting conversation. But I, I feel like there's a lot of ideas and concepts that have already been swirling around in my head that this, I, that in watching this documentary will be confirmed, but yeah, um, I think it'll be a good conversation for sure. Having you having seen it, me not. Um, yeah. Just see where we're aligned and what, you know, what we're not aware of. So if you haven't watched it, you can go check it out on Netflix. Yeah. And I'm not going to give all the, all of it away. Um, if you if you like surprises, but it's a documentary. So, I mean, you're not going to be surprised by too much. Right. <laughs> it's not like there's a twist ending, you know, but, um, but still, um, one of the things that they said in there is, and I think this is, this is the fundamental message of the documentary. I think that I believe we need to t- pay attention to. and. Um, it, it's something like that. I wrote this down. Um, the algorithms, sorry, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. You are the product. Yeah. That was the message. And advertisers are the customers that are paying for the product, which is you. They're paying for access to you and your information on how to advertise to you is being delivered to them by the social media platform, which is free to -hmm. you. So important to remember that, but somebody in the documentary actually said, um, he wrote a book on why you should delete your, I forget his name. You should delete your social media accounts right now. Something like that. It's kind of break up with your phone. Yeah. Something like that. Um, I forget what his name is. He, he was funny looking dude too. He looked like a Muppet. 
I, I just thought he would look like a Muppet. And I was like, I love him. Aww. He was amazing. So, How uh, endearing. Yeah. So not like in an Did insult kind of hair? way. Did he have the Muppet oh, hair? Incredibly. He had like this, I can't even describe how his hair looked. It wasn't like frilly. It was long. But um, oh, okay. anyway, he, he looked like a. Uh, he looked like a Muppet in an endearing good way, not an insult uh-huh. way. But um, he actually took it further. And I thought what he said was amazing. He said, it's not that you're the product. It's, it, he said, that's too simplistic. He said, uh, it's the gradual, slight, imperceptible change in your own behavior and perception that's the product. Like that the product is getting you to do those things. Yes. It's changing mm-hmm. your view of their product mm-hmm. there, which they need you to change your worldview to view their product in a favorable way. So they're changing you and your view of the world in order to sell to you. And that's this the feels real really product. sinister. It, it, it kind of is. And you, th- and, and we think about, it, I've been through, um, marketing classes and all kinds of things. And when we, we write email sequences and stuff, there's an email in, you know, the five or six emails or whatever we write. And it's called the paradigm shift where you're supposed to try to explain, you take one of the, you know, the, what people might think about this product or whatever it is you're selling. And, you know, it's, I don't need that. Or it's, isn't it just this or it's some misconception and you try to change how they look like, no, it's not that here's what it really is. You are trying to change the paradigm around your product. So you're trying to change how they think and perceive your product. And by doing that to do that, you change how they perceive where it fits into the world. You're adjusting their worldview. And so that's a marketing sales tactic. That's always been the case, but uh, this is like 24 seven hitting you with that with this, with social media. Um, and that's the product is that it's paradigm shift all the time. So that's a really terrifying thought when you think about it, especially with all of the things the world is going through, we're dealing with, you know, this, you know, you know, science versus personal freedom. Mm -hmm. We're dealing with social disruptions. We're dealing with, you know, fire natos election fire (laughs) natos shock sharks getting stuck in electrical poles did you see that no what oh my gosh well it's hilarious well first of all it was (laughs) miscaptioned it was saying that the hurricane threw sharks into an electrical pole and there are sharks as if hurricanes on this electrical pole but really it was a (laughs) it was like a, a a truck full of fish sharks included that fell over a bridge and the net with the sharks in it got trapped on the electrical pole. Oh my gosh. So it is sharks on an electrical pole. But again, that goes back to that social manipulation, right? Yeah. It's feeding the narrative that the mm-hmm. world is falling apart. Yeah. The- and we can, there's no, there's no like force or like nothing holding, no accountability for truth. Yeah. So we can write any headline any way we want. You can. And, and people will share it. They won't even read it. the article. They won't even read it and you can ship it and then they'll fight in the comments about it. Assuming that the people they're fighting with have read the article. Which would nine out of 10 people have not. Yep. They Uh, just share the headline. The example they use in the, in the documentary is from Pizzagate. Remember Pizzagate? Pizzagate. Like 2015, 2016, something like that. Um, It was one of those stories that was circulated to, um, to disparage the, I think, Hillary Clinton, I can't remember. But the idea was this, is that calling a pizza place and ordering a pizza in New York City meant, or wherever it was, I forget, um, what meant that you were actually ordering a um, a trafficked person for, you know, for sex. Mm-hmm. And that they were, these pizza places were keeping, you know, these sex slaves in their basements. And so there was so much coverage about Pizzagate, how, you know, Clinton were wrapped up in it or whatever. And, and it was false news. It was, it was a completely fabricated story. But what happened was this guy showed up with a gun at a pizza parlor to save the kids. Yep. Having no knowledge of whether or not they were there. And he starts, I mean, police come and they're like, why were you here? And he's like, I had to save the kids. I'm like, what kids? You know, the ones in the basement to see if they were safe, see if there was any kids here. 
it that was like so real it, it's like well it's a real dangerous situation created by a manipulated social yeah. media storm yeah and it's like these these kinds of manipulations are having real world dangerous effects i have people. never seen more conspiracy theories by the way oh, in my man. life than yeah. i do right now and 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 what they explained this was fascinating too is that if you go in here's what's dangerous like if you're a person that wants to change a narrative and you don't even have to be an advertiser or a company to do this you can just do this anybody can do this mm-hmm. is that you can go into a facebook group that's dedicated to conspiracy theories where you have people who are more prone to believe some of the crazier things and then you can say facebook i got an ad i want you to give me a thousand people who look just like that and you can mm-hmm. spread it for a couple of bucks and, and it's like i don't know why people would do that but it, people do that and you know we had the the interference with the you know russian government and all that's what they did and that's one of the things they said in the in the documentary too it's like they did not hack facebook to manipulate that election in any kind of way uh to mess with it they they simply used the tools that were available to spread information that wasn't necessarily true yeah. and they they used things that were available to you know legally interfere illegally it just it just makes you wonder how much of what we're seeing is that mhm you know so well, and fbi anyway. the fbi director just said the other day like we're already seeing some of that for this time too and it's just like what are we doing there's one of the issues that we're seeing with social media is there's no regulation for any of that like how do you regulate that how do you regulate it? That's what I was just going to say. There might not, we could be mad about the fact that there's no regulation, but like, what does that look like? Yeah. It's like, there's, there's regulations for, for TV mm-hmm. and for radio. I, I, I was thinking, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. Do you ever watch that documentary? Well, you probably don't. You're probably too young for this and <laughs> definitely not nerdy enough for this. There's a oh. documentary called the toys that made us and it's on Netflix. No, no, and I probably wouldn't. Watch it's about that. all those eighties toys that I grew up loving, you know, like He-Man and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and all those. Stretch Armstrong. Sure. Yeah. Stretch Armstrong, GI Joe, all these. My cart- Little Pony. My Little Pony is an episode. I haven't watched that one. I don't care about that, but. Um, <laughs> Loved My Little Pony. But yeah. There was a My Little Pony board game that I played mm-hmm. in the eighties that I would love to find, but I cannot find. So if anybody knows. <laughs> Where the My Little Pony board game is, I, please send it to me because I would love to have that again. And I just can't find it. Yeah. Reach out. Let her know. It's it's out there like, somewhere. Like the old school classic one. I don't want the modern recreation people. <laughs> okay. All right. So moving on. So anyway, this, this, this whole thing was like how we made these toys and how often they make these toys are just random. Like they just make these toys because, you know, they grab of action figure in China or Japan that's doing really well. And they remarket it here for something else. Mm -hmm. But the whole thing that's really weird is that for transformers, he man, GI Joe, the toys came first before there was a show. Really? Yes. And they created the show to market the toys. And the reason they created a show is because on Saturday mornings, the FCC had a ton of restrictions on how you could advertise to children. It was a way to get around advertisements? Yes. It was a way to get around advertisement laws. Like when you show toy commercials, think about all the toy commercials. You could only show a certain amount of animated, um, like a few seconds of animation as a commercial. That's why all, all the commercials were the, them playing with the toys, little kids like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, in these action scenes and whatever, it's because mm-hmm. they couldn't show cartoons, but to do a syndicated TV show that didn't actually do any like advertisement, um, they could do that, that for 30 minutes. Without advertising. Exactly. It was advertisement wow. without advertisement. And That's it's genius. because there were laws set up to protect kids from advertisement to well, be manipulated. That didn't go well. Well, it worked perfectly. Major loophole. <laughs> I Major loved loophole. all those toys. I loved all those toys. <laughs> <laughs> worked like a charm. Thank you, man <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I had a million Transformers. I had yeah. an Optimus Prime that was made out of metal. Remember when they made toys what? out of metal for kids? No? Oh, my god. Just gosh. from Japan? Uh, and that's what's crazy is like, it's just stupid nerd 
trivia here, but the Transformers had like the the good guys and the bad guys. They were actually yeah. two separate toy lines in Japan that they bought and combined and created this storyline of their being at war for the cartoon so they could sell them. So that was not a thing. Those Transformer toys were not good guys, bad guys before? Nope. That's why all huh. of the good guys are like cars and vehicles and all the bad guys are like flying planes and jets. Huh. Did and, not and know stuff that. Like that. And then they'd add on new characters. Like one of them looked like a gun. One was like basically Robotech rehashed, you know, uh, mm-hmm. from a different line they bought. It was, it was crazy. So mm-hmm. I love that kind of nerdy stuff. But anyway, the whole point of that was to get around the advertisement to be able to sell to kids and there's protection wow. for them. But on social media, there are no rules like that. There, I mean, there's no, there's no real oversight. Yeah. And that's why they're pulling these leaders in before Congress now, I think, just to figure right. out how to do Because it's this. so new. It's so new. We're just exactly. now learning the effects of it. We're just now figuring out the damages and, and the way that it not, not, um, not just affects us, but affects us. Yeah. Um, like not just the way, like the way that it changes the way we live our lives and the way that it changes the way we think about our lives. Yeah. And especially on, during an election year, I think it's really all, all the more apparent Yes. how much social media is used to manipulate. I mean, that the last election, that was huge. All that stuff with Russia. We don't need to get into politics, but, but that to say it that it. it is incredibly pertinent. Mm-hmm. It absolutely is. And if, and, and even if you're thinking about like, well, I'm not being manipulated for my politics. Yes, you are. You are. We all are. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you tend to lean left, you're going to see how bad Trump is. If you tend to lean right, you're going to see how crazy Biden is. You're going to see it. That's what they're going to show you because that's what you're telling the machine you like to see. So one of the things you have notated is machine learning. Yeah. You want to talk about that for a minute? That's what it is. It's your, your clicks, the time you spend looking at a post, what you, what you comment on, who you are friends with, even who you are in physical proximity to is a factor in what they're trying to show you. What ads you see, what posts from friends and family you'll see, they're analyzing it in every detail and it's scary like we all think like they're listening on our phones um you know the like the microphone's on like we were just talking about this thing well what that is sometimes is say me and my wife are in the living room together and we're together for a few minutes and she on her phone amazon looks up uh, i don't know a vacuum cleaner because I'm. Why does she have to look up a vacuum cleaner? I don't set? know. Can't she look up something? A chainsaw? Can she know. look up a chainsaw? We we were talking about it the other day. We need a new vacuum cleaner. That's why it came to mind. So um, she's looking up a vacuum cleaner, and then I'm sitting next to her. And so because I'm in the room with her, and mm-hmm. she searched for that, the machine learning shows like we're in a relationship, and defines what that relationship is. So what she looks up can influence me to buy as well. So they're going to show me an ad for a vacuum cleaner. Oh, so it's more than just the microphone. It's the fact that you were in the same room together and she's looking it up. You're going to get, they know exactly where we are. It's geographic location. (laughs) It's the location services that are on. Now I turned a lot of mine off. You can turn some of that off on your phone and on social media apps. You can get, you can deny access for some of that. So I've done a lot of that. The convenience of restaurants being, suggested to us in the area or mm-hmm. yep yeah. it's how it's how they know like show me on google where is what where to get a haircut you know it can pull all that up really mm-hmm. quick it's not just the keyword it's it's where are you and even what direction right. are you traveling i'm going to show you where you can get a haircut it's that it's can that I, kind of detail and the machine as it's gathering this information advocate? Yeah. For a second about that. So the in one hand, yes, I can see how that can absolutely be manipulated and that's machine learning. But also we want to be marketed to in a way that makes sense. Yes. Like I don't want to be told about an event that's happening in Idaho because I can't go to that event in Idaho. Right. Like 
I want to be told about the event that's happening five miles from my house. Exactly. And, and so and, it's helpful in that regard. And, and that's the thing is that none of these things started in a sinister way. Like none of these CEOs or companies set out to go, let's manipulate the crap out of these people. They, they never really intended to do that. It's just um, once you set up in these, these bots to learn how to advertise to you, they don't rec- the, the algorithm does not know right from wrong. Yeah. And, and that's what have a moral. There was a lady, her name was Kathy O'Neill. And she said, algorithms are not objective. She said they're programmed with some kind of definition of what success looks like. So with that programming, there will be no moment where they go, okay, we're getting a little dicey. We're getting a little too much, you know, or we're invading privacy. It's just an algorithm. It's programmed to learn and it's going to keep learning until somebody turns it off. Yeah. Because the success of that algorithm for Facebook, for Twitter, for Instagram, whatever, is to learn about you so that it can keep you on the platform longer. Because the longer you can be on the platform, the more ads you're going to see and the more money you're going to spend and the more that their advertisers will spend to get yeah. things in front of you. So it, it, it's a win-win for them. And that's what's important to recognize is that somebody's winning and it clearly is not us. It's clearly not me. <laughs> who? So who is it? Who's winning? It's the advertisers. The advertisers are winning because yeah. um, they're willing to pay to be part of this system that markets to you, that keeps you looking. So I don't think any of us are super surprised that there's some shady stuff going on behind social media mm-hmm. and the way things are set up and that we can't necessarily trust all of it. And I, you know, most of us are, are fairly, especially since we're in this field, yes. fairly aware of the negative effects of it. So in that, and this tension has existed for a long time, there's the tension of, I understand that social media can have a negative impact on your life and change your worldview and affect the way that you live. Um, but it's also my job to get people to engage with my social media. So how do I encourage a healthy, because it's not going away. Like no one's, no one is going to go, well, no, it's not working. It's too, it's too ugly. It's too dangerous. It's too visceral. Let's just get rid of it. So it's good. It's here. Mm -hmm. So how do we encourage healthy habits, a healthy interaction? Like, is that even possible? And how do we do that while we're like, reaching the gospel in this yeah. space. Well, I think it is. I think, I think, but what, what often is the solution to that that has been, that's proposed is that the, the companies themselves, Facebook, Instagram, well, same company, Twitter, TikTok, all those, that they're going to have to police themselves better. That's what we often hear. We need more laws. Yeah. That's not going to fix it. Um, we can add some laws. But as I told you before, those companies are clever. They can get around some of those laws. Mm-hmm. Um, what's really going to have to change is us. We're, we're going to have to police ourselves. We're going to have to establish healthy boundaries. And we're going to have to be a little bit, uh, you know, anal about it. We're just going to have to um, involve ourselves in some practices that might limit our usage of some of these platforms that might... Uh, make them a little bit less exciting, but healthier. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like, why do you eat carrots instead of candy? You know, carrots are nowhere near as exciting as candy. I don't, I don't unless think they taste as good. In, uh-uh. Unless they're covered in orange juice and roasted. Yeah. Well, those are delicious. Kind of like candy. Oh, orange juice. Never tried that. Oh, we, carrots with orange juice. Oh, man. oh, we do, we do honey carrots a lot. We'll mix it with oh, honey. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Oh, so good. That is kind of like, candy. but that's candy. You know, it's like, you just adding the sugar. It's like, that's, that's what's really not good for you. It's like you kind of cancel out the carrot, but, um, still that's, that's kind of what it's going to feel like, I think to, to be healthy. And we're going to have to establish some balance there because, um, these companies are not going to stop trying to market to you better. That's what they're there for. Right. That's what they are trying to do. And it, and unless someone makes them stop, they're going to stop. So yeah. the laws at the can end help. of the day, it's not their responsibility 
right to ensure our health but what what will change their behavior is your failure to respond to it more than anything how do we do that though um i think because we just talked about how we often are not aware I think you have to set up some things that are going to be uncomfortable. Um, Your phone has what's called screen time. You can set up time limits for apps. Uh, You can definitely delete apps from your phone that you don't need. um, That that wastes a lot of time. You can see from screen time, how much time you're spending on each app and see, is this a time waster or is this a, you know, how do I, you can always like to keep a journal. Like every time you get off social media, write down how you feel right now. Um, you, to track it, you, you just got to do some things like that. But in the platforms themselves, you can make better use of the hide, mute, and unfollow buttons. Amen. So, Amen. So that, in a way, kind of contributes to the problem mm-hmm. if you use it badly. Because if, if you're just deleting people you don't want to hear from because they disagree with you, um, then all you're doing is reinforcing the manipulation. So when you Google um, healthy, how to encourage healthy social media use, there's this blog from MIT mm-hmm. that is really, really good. And they give you nine tips. And that's, that was one of them. So one of them was um, support a healthy online community. Like before you comment, like ask yourself a few questions so that's that good. you're not contributing to the negative negativity. Yeah. Um, follow people and things that bring you joy. Oh, there's a good one. Like, why, why are we following people? Like, I, I've realized that for myself, that there's people or um, maybe news outlets yeah. that are just always, every time I see it, it just instigates something and not in a healthy way, right? Because mm-hmm. there is a healthy diversity, a healthy level of diversity. And I think that's good. Like, I was thinking about that this morning. Are we allowing ourselves to hear from people that think and feel differently than us? Yeah. That's important. But if they are if they are doing it in a way that is vicious or mean or judgmental or, you know, whatever, yeah. that's not a voice I want in my life. I, I wish that the government would outlaw the spreading of news and politics from official sources on social media. Like I would love to not get news and politics information from social media. Um, other than just people talking about it, because if it's just people talking about it, people can say whatever they want, but it's when it's an organization that looks legit, that could possibly be fake shares things that are happening in the world that confuses everybody. And if we just outlawed news somehow, I feel like let, let the news site carry the news and you go to it. Let the news channel on your television or on the radio or a podcast or an app, let them have their own thing, but mm-hmm. do not let them share news on social media. Yes, it will share faster. Yes, it will become viral. Yes, the world will be informed. It started in a good place, but we're clearly not responsible enough to handle it. Mm-hmm. And that, what do you do when your kids do stuff like that? Mm-hmm. You know, when all your kids are like, you give them the keys to your car, they go out on a date, they have a wreck come back you're like oh that's terrible but imagine they did that every time it's just really frustrating and infuriating to see people share a new story i get wrapped up in it and Mm -hmm. i get angry and i think wow that's super unjust and then three days later find out well that's not actually what happened yeah that happened three years ago and this is really what happened and you're like wow how like and I, no one has time. You know, people say, check your sources or go look it up yourself. We don't have time to dig through right. the myriad of reports out there to discover what truth is. Like, I don't have time to do that. You yeah. know, it's so frustrating. It's, it's what social media has done with news is it has made news travel faster than truth. Yeah. And I think one of the things the in the documentary they said was that, that if something is false, it has the ability to spread six times faster than actual news because they're checking sources and stopping before they write. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the garden. Yes. The truth twisted. Exactly. Goes so far. It sounds legit. 
sounds legit with a case in there that of you've got to be kidding me or mm-hmm. what yeah that spreads fast it's and believable yeah and there's no regulation for it there's there's responsibility and there's ethical calls but there's no laws you know and i feel like we that's where they're and and what scares me is we've got a lot of people who are on these committees in the government who are you know up there in age and don't really understand how these platforms work and so it, it they're trying to figure it out at this level and and we're here in this industry working with us every day and we're not quite sure how all this works you know like we're trying to figure it out so it's like uh, we're, we're going to have to do some things ourselves. And and to your point earlier about how do we keep healthy, um, I'd love to share that article that you have yeah. um, in show notes for this one. But um, I think in the context of the church, we have to discuss like what kind of content and what kind of goals we're setting, what mm-hmm. kind of content we're making, and what kind of goals we're setting. And uh, we can model for people. Sorry, I was just thinking out loud. Go for it. <laughs> I'm jumping ahead of you. No, go for it. I was thinking also it's important to model for people what healthy goals and healthy or healthy boundaries look like. Mm-hmm. So like to, to do things like share this article or to talk of, or to one, talk to people that they need to follow people in things that bring them joy and two, be a place that brings them joy. Absolutely. So both of those things. Absolutely. And I'm not, I don't get super excited about announcements, but um, which many churches like to put on social media, but that's like this content quote doesn't perform well. The reason it doesn't perform well, it's not because we're like looking for more comments and likes necessarily. That's what tells us sometimes if it performs. What we're looking for is people caring about it and being blessed by it. And I think that many churches focus on what will be engaged with, clicked, commented on it, and shared. And, and we do this because, again, that's our jobs. You know, we got to figure out a way to get this out. But at the same time, there's a responsibility for the church to see that as a ministry space. And how can we bless people who do see it? Yeah. You know, it's like, how do we use social media to make the world a better place mm-hmm. that points people to Christ? You're not going to do that by inviting them to an event or telling them about a group or, you know, whatever. You're going to do that. You can do that right there on social by sharing uh, devotionals, you can share verses, you can give stories, you know, you can share videos of people and what's going on in their lives. Um, and good I honestly, in good news, what is some good news? Gosh, if, if the gospel Our church started doing, I think it's good. It's good, it's good news. news Fridays or like Friday feels. Oh, that's great. That's great. Friday feels. So just things that like make you feel like happy or joyful, you know, yeah, whatever a kid hearing for the, a baby hearing for the first time and stuff mm-hmm. like that is really awesome. I, love I, it. I think we're kind of past the point where for a lot of things, not for some things, but for a lot of things for the church to be worried about people getting upset that they posted something that didn't have anything to do with, you know, their church. That's just fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we need fun. Yeah. We need some smiles right now. And it's, it's always baffled me that churches feel just fine and comfortable doing that for you until you're about 18. And then it's not fun anymore. You can't have fun. <laughs> Is that so true? Wow. Right. Isn't like, that the truth? We can have fun with kids, play games, students. We can have play games, have crazy wild stuff. And then they get to the adults and like, okay, right, time to get serious oh, guys. Yeah. Hell, no more it, fun it's about you. heaven and hell right now. You know, it's like, put, well, it's always about put heaven that and hell. water balloon down, sir. Pick yeah, up your Bible. Absolutely. And it's like, we can't have fun uh, on social media and share things because it's, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I have a whole soapbox. I get on with, with no actual thinking at a time. We should make, an, we about, should make another podcast about that one. Yeah. Well, we Adults. do have one uh, for unpopular opinions that's coming up that, that will be. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. It, may, it may be out, but it's, if not, it's coming up. Um, but, uh, but I think that we're in a place where we have to recognize that social media, the companies themselves have goals. And it is to engage you. It is to sell to you. It is to, and they have something called growth hacking as well, where they're trying to get you to use more of it, to be here more, to have your friends get on here. Um, and, and they're really trying to find new ways to pull you in further. It's almost like a black hole. It's like a gravitational pull towards nothingness, I guess. Yeah. It's very much like a black hole. Yeah. Um, I think for me, 
Um, just as a, you know, a final thought on how all this goes, you talked about using social media as a doomsday scroller for, I think for me, I've used social media as an escape. Mm -hmm. I'm an escapist. And so one healthy strategy that I've been trying to employ is recognizing that when I'm scrolling, I'm escaping and to pause, stop and think about what it is I'm trying to avoid. What emo- like I, yeah. that's like a red light to me that I'm avoiding something. And so using that to point back to myself, to rec- like to recognize a lack of health in me. Mm-hmm. So like social media now is like, it's a magnifying glass on yeah. what I'm doing. So when I'm scrolling, that's when I'm like, Oh, I'm avoiding something. Okay. Jesus. What like Holy Spirit, what is it you want to say to me right now? Because obviously I'm avoiding you. Right. It, in this moment it very much is a magnifying glass it's it's one for our society and one for us and it's personal and for our churches it's like we we kind of have a responsibility to do better mm-hmm. and and not just simply market and i think for several years we've we've really done a good job uh, we've done a job a good job i think for most part in church communications to try to improve how churches use these tools and market better and maximize what we can get out of them. But at the same time, those systems, if not checked, can be sinister. Mm -hmm. And we've been part of that too. And we have to accept that, that there's, there are things in our church that we could do on social media and we shouldn't, you know, that would help us get more butts in seats, but we shouldn't do it. And, and we have to be willing to figure that part out and have that real conversation on our staff and with our leadership and, uh, and our people and realize that social media can either be a tool for marketing your church or it can be a way to minister to your church. And I think there's a medium in there for both, but it's really got those two sides that it can be used for your church in a healthy way that we have to figure out that no one's going to make us stop, you know, marketing more. The only thing that can stop us is money. And a lot of churches have a ton of money. Let's see a lot of churches. Some churches have a ton of money yeah. and they can, and they're willing to throw at it. And uh, meanwhile, those churches are like, man, I wish they'd throw some money at us, you know, but <laughs> that's probably most of us. But, um, but still it's like money should not be the determining factor of whether or not we can do more marketing. We can always use social media better, you know? Yeah, so. I agree. Anyway, I, I think it's something for us to pay attention to. I think there's a, a, a real mental health link to social media. We'll put that nine ways MIT article in uh, the show notes. And if you haven't watched it, watch the social, social dilemma. We watched it with our kids and it went way over their heads in in a lot of ways, but. um, Oh really? Oh yeah. Your kids are are teenagers. I have a ninth grader and a sixth grader. Okay. And you know, they, it's, it's kind of heady. You're talking about marketing. It's so some people, so get ready. You know, if your mind is not really. But it gives really, you great foundation for discussion afterward. It does. And, yeah. and, and on a positive note, just to end on a positive note, social media does some amazing things. You know, the world we live in, being connected is not a bad thing. It was a very good thing to start. It's done some amazing things. I mean, people have found lost, you know, siblings they were split up with at birth you know there's there's been you know adoptions that have happened because of it you know there's um you know people have connected with old friends and kept up with people in high school they would have never been able to do so with and you know that there's some good things about social media yeah. it connects our world in some really good ways it's expanded my world view in yes. really good ways meeting people i would never have met otherwise absolutely i mean or don't have access to in my specific location i mean it's crazy how many friends i have now that i consider to be great friends that i met in a facebook group you do have a lot of friends you have a lot of friends are you, i can't tell if you're making fun of me or not <laughs> I actually didn't know either. I was just—I don't know. I was just trying to—I was, I was trying like, to find something with friendship, I and I just, do have a lot of friends. But are you? Do. do you think I don't have a lot of friends? 
<laughs> I do have a lot of friends. No, you do. No, you do. Like everyone likes you, Seth. I get it. Everyone likes you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but what's, it's funny. It's like we met in a Facebook group and here we are meeting, you know, that's true. a couple times a month, you know, to record a podcast together and I'm in Texas and you're in Michigan. That's true. That's so. very true. We've only actually met in person one time. Really? That's true. Yeah. 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 Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it is crazy. So what a time to be alive. Right. Right. It's, it's amazing. And, and like, that's the world we're in and it's a pretty good one in a lot of ways. It's pretty good, but there are some concerns about our social media use that I think it, it warrants a really in-depth conversation for how we are putting content out as a church. Are we contributing to that? Is our, are our goals more in line with the manipulation or do we have ministry goals for social media? And I got to be honest, a lot of churches that I talk to don't really have ministry goals other than get people here, but that's a marketing goal. That's not a ministry goal. Right. Yeah. That's a great point. So anyway, all right. Well, any closing thoughts before we get out of here? Um, my own, my last thing that I was thinking about along the lines of ministry goals is, you know, thinking about social media, the thing that works the best for social media marketing and that works the best for ministry marketing is when you're talking about the user, mm-hmm. when you're talking about yourself, like, you know, those, those are the announcements. That's what we're doing. Our sermon series, uh, what have you, you know, that's, that is that's one thing. But when you're talking about the user, that's ministry marketing. So you're talking about the things that matter to them, that improve their lives, that have nothing to do with getting butts in seats. It's something that's shareable. It's something that teaches them how to walk, how to walk closer with Jesus. It teaches them how to read the Bible. It teaches them what you mean when you say quiet time. What does that mean? Right. What does that look like? How do you do that? Um, like the more we talk about those things, the more valuable our social media comes becomes and the more people will pay attention to it. And so when you and I say social media matters and social media is a ministry, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about getting followers mm-hmm. so that they'll come to your events. Yeah. We're talking about getting followers so that you can make them disciples. Yeah. It's depth, not width. Yes. You know, depth in your social media ideas and content, not more people eyes on it, but the eyes that are on it go deeper. Yes. Um, because that's, I mean, that's what Jesus did with, you know, the disciples. He, he spoke to millions of people, you know, mm-hmm. um, but he had his, his 70 or so, and then he had his mm-hmm. 12, then he has three, you know, it's like, and, and with each of, the, of those groups, you know, they, they were in relationship with him in a little bit deeper way. They understood a little bit more about him than the, the, the next ring out. And I think for social media, you've got all those different groups present. You know, but you have an opportunity to make them all very, to go deep with all of them. And create a community, create a sense of community. Like you and I met online. Mm -hmm. Your members can meet each other online. That is a huge win is when somebody makes a comment, somebody else relates to it and then they connect because of it. Yeah. That's a huge win. That's why I really like Facebook groups more than I like pages and just your feed is because the group is, is it feels a little bit more like original Facebook to me where you're in this collection of people that have a common commonalities in some ways, uh, whether that's location or, you know, topics or hobbies, whatever. Your church. The problem is we're all in too many Facebook groups. I'm in a million. <laughs> we just and need I don't, to dump some of them. I know. It's ridiculous. And it's like some of them are my friends. So I'm like, I don't want to leave my friend's Facebook group, but I also don't have notifications turned on at all. And yeah, I never yeah. interact. But it's it's like, I don't have time. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. have, no human can really field all of these grounders. That's mm-hmm. a baseball reference. Um, nobody can really handle that much content. Right. You know, I can only absorb so much, especially like I can only take a little bit of information at a time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't take too much. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, you're, that's typical. Most people can't, Yeah, it, but we hit them with everything we've got. Yeah. Um, so have this conversation and I would suggest for homework, like definitely talk with your team about this, talk with your leadership about this. And when you're doing so lay out your goals for social media, and see how they really align. Like if you haven't written down already, 
great. Pull those out and, you know, assess where you are. And if you really feel like what you're doing is ministry minded enough for, or is it just marketing or is it just what you saw another church do and really, really assess what's going on. And then I would say, if you haven't written goals, that's kind of good because now you have a little bit better mindset of for which to write those goals. So get together and write those goals. What is it you really want to see happen in your social media feed for people who follow your church? What is it you're really trying to do? Like if, if, if not, if you got no clicks, if you got no attendees showing up because of what you posted, what would you post? Like just for them. And, mm-hmm. and would that be, what would be good for you to do in that realm? Um, you have to figure it out for yourself. You have to figure it out for your people. So I would suggest doing that and really hammering out what it is we're trying to do here because social media is not the top level of entry for your church. It's just a piece of that communications and it happens everywhere in every stage of every person's journey through your church. So it's not just let's get people here and then we'll do the ministry. It's ministry. It's part of it. It's, it's throughout, it's, it's sprinkled throughout your whole pro your whole, um, I guess customer journey is the best way to talk about it, but it has people, people go through different Me- phases. Your member journey. Yeah. Your member journey, you know, like they become outsiders and then they join the church and then they become volunteers and then they lead and then they reproduce themselves by finding new people. And you know, that, that cycle, wherever they are in that cycle, you know, there, there's a need for social media to invest in them at mm-hmm. some point. And, and it's different for each one of them. So it's not just this top level, let's just get people here. It's the front door of our church kind of thing. It's not. It's it's like what all is that? the doors of your church. And some. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like we need to reassess where it fits in our strategy. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. Good. Well, um, thank you guys for listening. We're going to wrap this up and hopefully we'll be able to continue this conversation either on social media. You can find me at Seth Muse on Instagram. And then Megan is, you want to, at Megan Louise Ranson. Yeah, man. It's a long one. <laughs> I need to change it. And Something so simple. follow us, look us huh. up. We'd love to talk to you about all of this because we'll be posting some things too. I will be uh, totally. about some of this and, um, you know, continuing the conversation because I don't think this is done by a long shot. I think it needs got, to be a part of our conversation regularly ongoing absolutely. It's part of our lives in a big way. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the seminary of hard knocks. Uh, if you liked what you heard or felt it was helpful, we'd love a review or rating in the iTunes store. <clears throat> that would really be great and lovely. And, uh, <laughs> lovely people do that for us. That would be lovely. Appreciate you. the lovely people. So uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back soon and have a good day. See you.